We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And the foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling his third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cut Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. Welcome back to the Swider Show, episode 30. Patty, episode 30. It's a big milestone this week. Hitting 30 just feels a little bit different. I know I say it every week. We're not supposed to be here. People people doubt <laughs> us, but this week it just feels a little different. Hit, hitting the Steph Curry episode, episode number 30. Yeah, I feel like we got to stop saying it because then it sounds like we uh, doubt ourselves. But no, this is to be expected. Another milestone. But um, yeah, it's Tuesday, April 25th. We just saw uh, Trey Young rip the heart out of the Boston Celtics. They're going to head back to the A for uh, game six. That series just got interesting, but um, that's why you're live from Memphis now. Live from Memphis, man. Uh, flew in here today, left at 10.30 this morning, got here around 4.30. Obviously, with the time change, that's that's the reason why. Uh, around four-hour four flight, so yeah, man, super excited to head into game five tomorrow, hopefully so, close these guys out. It's only four hours? I would have guessed yeah, longer, four, honestly. Yeah, four-hour flight, yep. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad, just, I mean, these NBA planes are so nice. I mean, it's like basically just sitting in a recliner for four hours, so it's not, yeah, it's not the worst yeah, thing in the world. Not the worst life. Free Wi-Fi. Yeah, free Wi-Fi, right. just people bringing you stuff. You just hit the light whenever you want it and bring you water, really? snacks. They got they got meals on there. They got, they can heat up like a, like a nice like five-star meal for you. So, yeah, it's, it's a You're good You're hitting time. a light? One, there's a flight what? attendant of sorts that, that, that comes down and takes care of you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good life. Very different from the G League. I that's say amazing. That. Yep. Yeah. So, any listeners that are interested in playing the NBA, that's 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 some uh, <laughs> high praise there. You should probably do it. But yeah, I mean, as far as actually on the court, you guys are up three one now. Pretty wild game last night in LA. Um, LeBron's first ever twenty twenty game, which I was kind of surprised to see, considering that. He's been in the league for two decades, but um, yeah, I mean, just another another vintage of LeBron performance, I'd say. Although it was a weird, pre- it was a pretty weird game. Like I, the, I you totally, couldn't really get a feel yeah. on it the whole time. No, I totally agree. Just like this whole entire Dylan Brooks stuff too. Like it's just been, it's been like a, it's been a whole hyped up kind of thing this whole entire series. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's been a, 
it's been a hell of a series. Obviously, like teams going back and forth. Obviously, just we we got this huge lead in uh, game three, and then they kind of come back. We, we end up winning, up winning that game. Yeah. Game four, it was like back and forth the whole time. We we kind of got up big in the second quarter, then they came back, closed it at halftime. Desmond Bain just going off doing his thing. Yeah. Um, so it, I mean, it's been it's been a great series. Obviously, we've been able to sneak out with three wins and. Going to game five, it's gonna be a tough one tomorrow. Like Bron just told us yesterday, he was like, "The closeout games are always the toughest. They're gonna to come harder. They're gonna come harder. They're gonna play. They're gonna play their hearts out. They have nothing to lose. They're down three one. Everyone's right. saying the series is over. So just keep going, play hard, and and uh, let's, let's let's lock in for this last. Hopefully, this last game before our next series. Yeah, I mean, logging some pretty big minutes too at the overtime, which I think a lot of fans are concerned about, but. I don't know. I mean, when it's LeBron, it's he's he's proven time and again, Swatter, that he's not very much uh, a human being. So I'm sure he'll be fine tomorrow night. But yeah, he's he's not a human being. He's he, he's old. <laughs> the uh, the Dylan Brooks stuff. Like, how much how much do you want to go into that? How much motivation do you think that's given LeBron, or do you not give, think he like gives a shit at all? No, I think I don't think it's like oh like. I'm, I'm here to like prove Dylan Brooks wrong, but it's like it's just another notch in his belt. You know what right. I mean? It's like, all right, like I, I think the great the great players they're so great that they need to find something right throughout the especially throughout the regular season because it's like they're just waiting to get to the playoffs. Obviously, like LeBron sent into this first round series already motivated. He missed the playoffs last year. He's like super super locked in. And then after game two, we lose a game, and it's like, all right, like now you're gonna wake the bear up again. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get this poke guy the like even more. Yeah, poke the bear. You're gonna even like, yeah. It, it was just, it was, it was a weird move, obviously by Dylan Brooks. Obviously, LeBron's, in my eyes, the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. Ar- arguably the greatest. Arguably, player of all time. yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, no, nah, it's, 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 it's been weird, and like, at, and like the pregame stuff with Dylan Brooks. Like, Lakers fans are booing him every single time he shoots and, and cheering when he misses and uh, he just looks like not himself out there. Yeah. Too, no, he, so he I, definitely looks like he's lost a little bit of confidence. The loudest roars of the game are when he misses. It's just like if he can miss a wide open three with like six minutes left in the second quarter in like an eight point game and it's as loud as if AD like dunked on someone. Yeah. You know, it's definitely it's definitely like a weird uh, type of thing from that standpoint. But I mean, crypto has been unbelievable. Just just the fans and the environment, just being there live and, and just like seeing the atmosphere from when it was in the regular season to what, what it is now. It's just like a totally different level. Like in the regular season, it almost feels like you're putting on performance for the fans. Like at crypto, yeah, yeah. In the playoffs, like these fans are into it, engaged. Like every play matters so much to these fans and. Especially towards the end of the games, like everyone's standing up the whole entire time. That's that's the playoffs. Like it's it's obviously it's obviously different than regular season. There's 82 regular season games and playoffs. Every every position, every single game, every every second matters in the playoffs. So it's yeah. definitely been a it's not only from the players but from the fans that they've stepped up their game as well. Yeah, the first round I think as a whole has been as good as it's probably been in recent years, in my opinion. I think it's yeah. like the parity of it is just like you got lower seeds across the board. Either up or have one series against. Um, I guess no one's actually finished out a series besides the yeah, Sixers. Exactly, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's for a while. It felt like everything was just like 
so predestined, like the Warriors are going to make it, and then LeBron was going to make it in the East, and that's kind of it. doesn't really matter what happens before that. But yeah. um, that's why I do want to get your take on, so game two, we recorded last week after game one. You guys were going into game two. It was up in the air at that point if Jow was going to play or not. He ended up not playing. You guys ended up losing that game in Memphis. And, of course, after that, there's a lot of hot takes going on. Oh, the Grizzlies better without Ja. How come they're always – like, I think that I saw a stat, they're 35-15 the last two years without him. So from your from your standpoint, what is your explanation to that, to a team like the Grizzlies having that much success, even though, like, their best player might not play? And they're able – I mean – not to get on front of your answer, it probably starts with Ty Jones, but like, why do you think that's that's been the case for the last two years? Well, first of all, like, let's not act like Ty Jones just like isn't a really good NBA player, a fifteen yeah. million dollar player in the in the NBA. He is a different type of player than Ja, right? Like, he brings a different type of game. He brings you have to have a different type of scouting report for him. I think when it comes to us, like our scouting report is so heavy on Ja that your whole entire game plan changes, and you kind of messed up a little bit when he doesn't play because of. There's, there's probably three or four players throughout the league that you have to specifically scout for, and they're like a half of your scout mm-hmm. just based on like how, how much they mean to their team, right? And like even like a guy like now with KD, like he obviously demands a, a lot of respect in the scouting report. But there's so many other guys in the team that there's not. It's not like a one man. This yeah, it's team definitely different from this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 way different. So Luca's one of those guys. Kawhi before he got hurt, like when PG wasn't playing, was one of those guys. Um, there's, there's, I'm just trying to think of like, like Jokic. I mean, Jokic like is one of those. The guys. ultimate example is probably Harden with the Rockets, like in his yeah. day. Dame Lillard's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like just certain guys throughout the league that you, the, your scouting report is just so locked in on them, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, I would say that we had a, a specific scout for how they were going to play, what what this team is like with John and everything like that, and then he doesn't play. And when he doesn't play, they play a totally different style of basketball. They're moving a lot more. Like, like they're running a lot more plays for Kennard. They're running a lot more plays for uh, just just different players. Jaron Jackson to get isolations. Xavier Tillman was making threes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he had, like, the game of his life. <laughs> and it's crazy because Xavier Tillman and David Roddy played against us in the G League earlier this year. Like, And those are two of their five guys that they're really, like, relying on, like, end of games, right? Oh, yeah. So it's it's just a crazy parody of like how much how much a season a season how much happens throughout a season and how much like a series can change which guys play and which guys don't play right like we're seeing like with Sacramento like Keegan Murray is kind of out of, almost out of the rotation now when he was like one of their main players the whole entire year just based on what the series needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just going back to your original question, I I wouldn't say. Memphis is a better team. There's a different team without John in the lineup. And the amount of respect that John commands in the scouting report, it makes it so, like, for John to really go off, which in game three he was unbelievable. That, that yeah, stretch. that fourth quarter was crazy. Yeah, he uh, he was just so special, did, did whatever he wanted to do. Like, just – but one thing, like, I will say about John is that, like, he's got to start – Playing the game a little bit more safely. Like, I was gonna say, well, how how scary is that in person when you're right at like your floor level? You got courtside view there. On TV, it's literally like you have to look away because when I mean last night he had 
I don't know, maybe six plays where he jumps, and he doesn't jump like anyone I've ever seen. He, like, floats yeah. in the air, and he falls down. It's like, if he falls wrong right now, like, he could be out for two years. I think the It's, like, actually like, terrifying. Yeah, I think the initial reaction for me was, like, he's got to learn how to land a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, like, you can't put your body in the situation. Like, how else are you going to land? Like, you can't, like, just turn your back randomly and you're going to hurt your back. You can't just, like, land on your butt like because then you probably might hurt your tailbone. Like, there's all these different injuries. Like, so how do you land? Like, so he lands on his hands. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a, I don't know. It's just one of those things where just, just in terms of his safety, like, I hope he's able to learn, like, just situational basketball in terms of, like, when, like, maybe, like, just, like kind of how Russ has changed his game. Like Russ was that ex- really explosive bat. Like now he'll get he'll get down to back downs. He'll get down mm-hmm. to post ups. Um, he's completely changed his game in that aspect. So that that's 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 my that's my yeah. thing with Josh. It, it reminds me of like a quarterback who, like a Josh Allen who just never goes down. And like if yeah. you're a fan of the guy, you're like, all right, if one of these goes poorly, it's completely like just devastating. But. Um, no, you got ahead of my next question there because I think watching it like as a third party, you're like, oh my god, it is entertaining in a way because there's no one that jumps like him, like I said. But um, yeah, I mean, how's uh, how's the feel going into Game Five? Oh, we feel good, man. Obviously, the Grizzlies are gonna be prepared. They're gonna have a different scouting report for us, like they do before every single game. I mean, yeah, I think Jared Vanderbilt hitting those two two threes and I think he had ten points in the first like four minutes yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like like that completely changes the scouting report for the rest of the game. So now they, they kinda have to respect Vando who who they don't before. And like with our scouting report we have I mean there's no secrets now in the series. Like you know what the other team's gonna do. Like mm-hmm. there's certain guys who we shift off of, right? Like it is clear that we are letting Dylan Brooks shoot. Yeah. Like we're letting him shoot. And if they miss shots, it's exactly what the other team wants. So like if if he were to make a certain amount of shots, bearing that he doesn't, hopefully he doesn't, knocking on wood, right? Like, right. I want the Lakers to win this series. Like, we have to change our scouting report, and we have to adjust, and, and that's another thing. Like, David Roddy, like, we're, he's almost getting to a point with us now. It's like, we can't we can't stay off him. Like, we have to mm-hmm. contest him every single time. Like, him being a rookie in the playoffs, he's doing a good job in making shots. So it's like, we, we got to respect him. You got to right. kind of close out to him. At least at least give him something. At least give him a hand. At least give him a, mm-hmm. a, or shook, a short close. You can't just let him shoot anymore. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you been watching, like, the other series? What do you think has been the best series so far? I feel like it's unanimous, probably, Warriors-Kings. but Yeah, I mean, that series has just been so it's, – it's been an unbelievable series. And, like, just, like – just from the the fact of like Steph Curry calling that timeout, <laughs> like what? If you're even <laughs> watching a game where that happens, I was trying to think of it. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. I mean, the only game that I, I, that reminds me of that is Chris Webber. Right. Yeah, but we were negative five years old when that happened. I think. Yeah, we weren't around when that happened. Yeah. But still, like that's that's the only game I could think of in like in memory. Right. Like, because it's, it's, it's so like. You talk about it so much in, like, your huddles and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a slippage of character in terms of, like, the coaching staff, too. They didn't let him know. or Right. If someone, if someone on the bench was saying to call a timeout, like, Chris Webber, you see, like, yeah. this, this, this. <laughs> I think five. people were saying that he got uh, he got all, like, messed up because they lost it to the challenge, like, two minutes before that or whatever, nice. which I guess makes sense. But I feel like still, like, people are just screaming, like, no timeouts, no timeouts. Yeah, he kind of gets screwed I- with the trap. I'm sounding like a Steph apologist here because it kind of, yeah. but 
Um, I mean, Steph is probably one of the to have happened. Yeah, and Steph is probably one of the highest IQ basketball players ever to play the game of basketball. Probably mm-hmm. top fifty ever with the IQ. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying like it just shows that there's a, there can be a slippage for anyone and everyone. Right. That's why it made it so shocking. Like it was very out of character. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it wasn't quite the like <laughs> the JR play where he dribbled it out, but it was like the same type of feeling where you're like, oh my god, that actually just happened. Like, was that a brain yeah. fart to that extent? Um, but yeah, that series has been like crazy to watch. The Kings are so fun to watch. Yeah, the no, Kings are Kings are a great team. It's funny, like, you, if you look at the analytics of the Kings, like they're one of the best offensive teams in the past decade, just based on how right. well they've played. Um, yeah, and then the I've, Warriors have obviously obviously been the best offensive team of our literally of our ever. generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially of our generation, like just the new style of basketball, they literally reinvented the game of basketball. So it's been a great back and forth series. Obviously, like De'Aaron Fox has been spectacular. He's he's fighting through this injury. Obviously, just that's just happened in Game Four. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the rest of that series. And obviously, that's the winner of that. Hopefully, yeah, that's who you guys are facing. Right. Hopefully, we'll have the opportunity well, to play those guys. Yeah, not counting the chickens there. That's me saying yeah. that, not you. But I don't know. I got to see something from Sabonis too. He's he's not doing much for me. <laughs> I admittedly didn't watch too much Kings this this year, so I thought it was going to be like him and Fox run the show, and it's really just like been Fox and Monk. Yeah, I mean Sabonis, like an All Star great player, has done so much this year. He killed us like multiple times. Like, he has he's a lethal left hand. Um, I would just say to. To back him up a little bit is that some of the things that he does you don't really see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he he's a good pick and roll defender. He passes the ball really well, um, and he's just effective in, in multiple facets of the he game. Is, he is a great passer, unbelievable passer. So I, I think he, he sets a lot of guys up and, and puts guys in good situations as well. So I mean, obviously, I bet he's probably not super happy with his performances so far, but I mean, he he still is very effective uh, within the game. Yeah, that's that's my thing though. Like, if he gets going, the Warriors actually might be in trouble. But I feel like they'll still yeah. win the series with Fox being yeah. hurt. Um, usually, Swatter, we do the mailbag question and then the copycat leak. But given the the flow of this combo right now, I'm gonna go right to the uh, it's a copycat leak of this week because all I have written down is Jimmy Butler. Wow. Because my goodness, last night 56, 19 field goals in a playoff game against the number one. Overall seed, the odds-on favorite from Vegas. Um, Giannis is back. They're down 13 with like eight minutes left. And he just went absolutely ballistic. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Um, A lot of people saying, or a lot of people, Reggie Miller was saying it was the best playoff performance in the history of the Miami Heat. I saw him getting flack for that, given uh, who your teammate is, who he's played for in his his career. However... um, what do you think, like, is there a greater example of a playoff player versus a regular season player than Jimmy Butler, like, literally ever? Because at this point, it's just I would, like, I would argue my who teammate. he is. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, LeBron has won four MVPs, and he's obviously, like, the best player in the league for, like, 15 years around. I'm saying yeah, but there's, if you're playing a game like in a... February... Jimmy Butler might be like your twentieth pick. 
<laughs> if you're playing, like, if you're if you're going into a playoff series, you need to pick one guy for a seven-game series. He's proven at this point. He's very high on the list. Yeah, now Jimmy Butler is obviously like, he's the type of guy that's like gotten it all by himself too, right? Like he he came, he literally went to JUCO, he went he went to Marquette, mm-hmm. which isn't like the a basketball factory in terms of producing pros. Um, Except for sorry, Tyler Marquette. Kolek. Yeah, Mar- Marquette fans, like you guys treat our podcast well. Don't take that. Um, mm-hmm. don't, don't don't take that the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, you didn't but, mean that. Yeah. But in terms of Jimmy Butler, like. He, he's such a self-made guy, works so hard, like does all the right things in terms of taking care of his body and, and and just being out there every single night, like fighting through injuries and, and like he's like he's like an old school like like player. You know what I mean? Right. Like he just he's a grit and grind kind of guy. And I think the thing that holds him back sometimes is his, his inconsistent three point shot, right? And then last night he just goes absolutely ballistic, especially from the three point line. Is able to get to the rim. It's super effective in the mid range. Like he just scored at all three levels so easily, and I don't think I've ever seen a player really get like in that zone of not being a particularly a good three point shooter. Like obviously LeBron has gotten to that a couple of sing- a couple of times, but with LeBron it's almost like mid range jump shots. Like Jimmy Butler was coming down on the break with the left hand coming in inside the three point line, stepping back out three, coming on the coming off of off a high ball screen, coming off hitting a three, mm-hmm. getting to the lane, getting fouled, making free throws. Like he was scoring at all three levels, just in a in a zone type state. Like it just it just looked unbelievable. Yeah, he just has his track record now where he does it like every single year. It makes really no sense at all. Um, you said I I, was, I sense some disagreement though with the disparity. Do you think he's actually like like where would you rank him within the NBA? From a one to five ten, yeah. You just use numbers, I'm, yeah. Yeah, one, I, yeah. I I rank him probably around 20, 20 to twenty five. But are you are you picking twenty guys before him in the playoffs? Probably not. No, you're, you're right. No, I I yeah. agree. I mean, they, they they literally showed a graphic today. He's he's plus thirteen point five points per game in playoff games compared to his regular season stats. And that's the second all time behind I forget who the right. I forget who the fir- first player was, but like mm-hmm. there 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 is a certain level of like him stepping up in the playoffs. What I will say is there's a lot of guys who are opposite, right? And we and we've seen those guys just like, yeah. throughout the year where like they can't they're not the same player that they are in the playoffs as they are in the regular season. Well, that's so. what makes it more impressive. It's kind of Kawhi-ish. Like Kawhi yeah. is obviously really really good in the regular season throughout his career, but. I don't know. It almost sets like a dangerous precedent because they don't really care about the regular season. Then they still are just fucking awesome in the playoffs every year. But that's kind of who it reminds me of. The play style is somewhat similar to. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, obviously, but. killers in the mid range can can make threes, are super effective on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball, and that's what makes Jimmy Butler even more impressive that he's able to do that, like, and still guard the best player on the other team, most of the time. Yeah, the other thing with the game last night is uh, I see no coincidence in them inserting Duncan Robinson back in the lineup and yeah. bang, a couple wins right, right in Shout a row. Shout out Duncan Robinson. Obviously, he's dealt with not playing, getting cast out of line, being called the worst contract in NBA history, all of the above. And obviously, being able to come into a playoff series, like obviously, you never want it to happen because of injuries. 
but he's obviously taking advantage of his opportunity and he's proven why he's he, he was paid, right? Like he's not even getting a ton of shots, yeah. but he's I think he's like eleven for four He's a fat he still has so much gravity. I think he's like twelve for sixteen in the playoffs from three. Like shooting seventy five percent from three. Yeah, game uh Game three, that would have been yeah. He had twenty two yeah. or whatever it was. Went like I think he started six for yeah, six from three. That's an absolute yeah. burner. Also, special thanks to him because you were you texted him when we were starting the podcast. We probably mentioned that on like yeah. episode one. But if you're new here, Swider reached out to to Duncan for uh, some advice on how to start a podcast because he he did have one himself. But yeah, speaking of an elite level shooter of a hard worker. That's mixing Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler into two there. Uh, today's guest, Justin Taylor, just finished up his freshman season and probably freshman year at Syracuse. He's sticking around for next year. He's uh, going to be shepherding in this new era. He's going to be on the first non-Bayheim team in 48 years at Syracuse. Um, unbelievable dude. Very good interview. Swider, what what was your uh, takeaway from the combo with Justin? You went you went a very um, not old head, but you gave him you gave him some some real wise words on the interview and after the interview. Yeah, Justin was one of those guys who I I was really passionate about him coming to Syracuse. I was on his visits and um, really good guy mm-hmm. who means well, who does all the right things, who was a super hard worker. When I texted him yesterday about coming on the pod, he texted me two minutes later saying that he was he was so down, he was excited for the whole entire podcast experience. Um, just really good kid, man. I think he has a really bright future in a Syracuse uniform. I think this this offseason is going to be huge for him, and he, he just gets into everything. Mm-hmm. He gets into everything from the reaction of Coach Beheim retiring last year to the new the new era that they're in, to the practices, to all, all these different things, right? So, um, super excited for him. I'm super excited to see see him this summer and, and get to work with him, and and just trying to show him just little gems of being a shooter, and obviously being at being at Syracuse that being a shooter comes with a lot of responsibility, right? Like there's been great shooters before you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's known for a program that's that's used to bucket getters, right? So um, I think mm-hmm. he's in a really good spot. I think I think he's gonna have a breakout sophomore year and have an opportunity to be a really good player on this team this year and, and, and surprise a lot of people. So it was great having him on. Um, we got to we got to hang out with him a lot last year and, and even this year when I when I went back I got to spend some time with him so really get, really great conversation and uh, and yeah stick around and, and hear hear from our boy Justin Taylor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed.
Welcome back to the Swider Show, episode number 30 with my guy Justin Taylor, man. Justin Taylor, freshman for the Syracuse Orange, about to be a sophomore. Coming off a good freshman season, and uh, we're excited to have you today, bro. Thanks for coming. Yeah, of course. Happy to be on here, man. Yeah, definitely, man. Obviously, it's been a crazy last couple months for you. Um, Honestly, it's just been a crazy couple months in in terms of college basketball. Obviously, the NCAA tournament with all the upsets, and then um, for Syracuse, you know what I mean, Coach Bayheim stepping down and kind of entering this new era. What what has these last couple months been for you? Because obviously, after every single season now in college basketball, you got to make a decision of if you're staying or transferring with the no transfer rule, NIL stuff, and then with Coach Bayheim stepping down, that must have been a must have been a quick quick turnaround for you. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely kind of a whirlwind um, just from the, you know, ACC tournament, um, you know, him telling us that he's going to decide to step down, you know, Coach Autry taking over, um, just all the changes. Obviously, um, you know, transfer report is crazy, um, losing guys like like Jesse and Joe and Samir and them. Um, but, I mean, definitely up and down, just trying to um, kind of stay level-headed through it all. Um, it was definitely hard, you know. Um, you know, hearing news about Coach Behind then going straight to spring break just because you're kind of you're going home with a lot on your mind trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of really long talks with, you know, my mom, dad, um, you know, guys on the team um, just talking about, you know, what we're thinking. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, even with Coach Beheim stepping down, the, you know, the legend he is, obviously being able to play under him for one year was obviously – you know, dream come true. That's why, you know, one reason I came to Syracuse. But, um, you know, think about it a lot. I think with Coach Rochelle taking over, I think it's going to be good for us. Um, I think it's just, obviously, you know, <laughs> a lot of thought goes into it. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, it's going to be good for the program, just kind of a new, fresh start. And, um, you know, the guys that are here, um, obviously, I'm close with a lot of them. So we've talked about it and, um, you know, kind of just sticking together, um, getting through it together. So, um, obviously, you know, roller coaster, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's good to have guys that, um, you know, in your support system that you can you know, rely on and um, get through it together. So, how uh, how different has it been this last like six weeks or so? Because um, obviously, like you mentioned, you're only there for a year. Me and Cole are only there for a year too. You guys in little different roles than I was, but it's it's you find out literally with within a day of being within the Mellow Center, within being at the Dome and. I mean, it's no question or no secret. Like, Bayheim just ran the show there. It's it's been the same thing for forty seven years. So, you mentioned how weird it was. It was a whirlwind when he stepped down. But actually, when um, you know the noise and the press conference is done, and you guys get into practice here the last couple of weeks, how how different has that been? Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's weird having you know coach no coach Bayheim in Syracuse basketball. Obviously, it's been been that way for almost fifty years um, before I was born. Obviously, um, so I mean. It's kind of weird, obviously, um, people come up to you asking questions, you know, media trying to reach out and everything. But um, that was one thing they kind of mentioned to us right when the news did break, just not really, um, you know, respond to the media just because it wasn't really our place as players to, you know, respond to it that, um, mm-hmm. that quickly. Um, so they handled it the right way, obviously. Um, it broke out of nowhere. I mean, kind of out of nowhere. He, um, the process was kind of, you know, weird. but. Um, once we, you know, once the press conference did come out, um, you know, all that, and, you know, Coach Rashi did take over and they announced all that, um, you know, I think Coach Rashi knew how to step into that role. He's done a really good job so far in practices and workouts and, um, you know, he brings a ton of energy, but obviously, you know, just being that, that, uh, here for that one year with Coach Benheim and having him all of a sudden not be here is obviously, um, strange, but, 
um, I think Coach Hoshi has done a great job kind of stepping into that role and, um, you know, being that being that guy now. So, so tell me a couple of early Coach Red stories because the Coach Red I know is is the assistant coach who's not joking around with everyone, but serious, is, is – is, uh, is able to command the room, but at the same time, that's your boy. You know what I mean? And then now he's stepping into this head coaching role where he can't really be your, your friend anymore. Like, Coach Bayham is, is an amazing guy, obviously amazing recruiter, has done so much w- with being a coach, but in terms of being your friend, that you're never going to get that with Coach Bayham. What What is uh, the head coach, Red Autry, like? Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, it's, <laughs> you know, he goes from being an assistant coach where you can talk to kind of about anything you want to him being that head coach now but honestly um i think he's he's done a really good job kind of balancing it still being able to be an approachable guy um you know he is the head coach now i think that's something very important like you said i mean coach behind is who he is it was kind of you didn't really go into his office and approach him in no. that way, really um you know so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but what are you doing here son <laughs> <laughs> exactly um uh, but i think um you know red's done a good job of step into that role commanding the room like you said um and being serious and um commanding our respect you know obviously we all have respect for him just because he's so good at that he's um but like all the coaching like the whole coaching staff it's it's a good balance of being able to you know talk to him about things and being comfortable talking to him about it but also having that level of respect where he is the head coach now so you kind of look at him a little differently um but still you know like i said having that balance is good um and actually feeling comfortable talking to him and stuff so I don't know if I have any stories yet. I need it. It's still kind of early on that. You'll definitely have some, yeah. Benny! <laughs> Benny! <laughs> nah, man. Red's, Red meant so much to me in my one year. I mean, Patty knows. I mean, going through going through a year at Syracuse, you go through so many ups and downs, especially the last two seasons that we've had. And almost every season, like, Buddy Buddy talks about them losing a couple games in a row the year before that and then making Sweet 16, just the media pressure. I mean, for people that – don't know who haven't been to Syracuse who aren't a part of that community like Syracuse basketball is everything right it's like the football team obviously had a decent year last year but year in and year out like people's winters are made in Syracuse not by the snow not by shoveling stuff it's by Syracuse basketball so like everything that goes on with ESPN ESPN Syracuse is Syracuse basketball all the st- there's 40 student reporters at every game like we open up our locker room to the press after the game. There's 50 reporters coming up to you, talking to you, right? Like, I, I think the 15th guy on Syracuse, a walk-on gets more media coverage than, like, the, the seventh guy on Villanova. You know what I mean? It's just, like, it's just a crazy... Um, True. It, it's, just a, it's just a crazy, like, <laughs> whirlwind. Talk about, obviously, coming into that this year at, at Syracuse, but also just the overall just... I don't know, Patty. How would you explain Syracuse in, in terms of just the media presence and, and the pressure of going through a season? We've talked about it all thirty episodes, like ad nauseum. But it's definitely like you don't know unless you know. Think, yeah. and Justin, I you definitely kind of like you you figure it out pretty early. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I don't think anyone knows exactly what we go through except for us actually going through it. Um, I mean, I've noticed that just in my one year, like a lot of people, it's a lot of noise out there. People can say this and that. They act like they know what's going on, but at the end of the day, no one really knows what's going, you know, what's going on except for us. Um, and like you said, I mean, it's, it is a lot of pressure just because it's Syracuse basketball, the reputation they've had um, with Coach Beheim over, you know, 47 years. Obviously, 
program kind of speaks for itself, that resume and everything. But, um, you know, with that, I knew coming in, um, I think, you know, GMAC talked to me about it. I think we all, as players, we kind of got through it together, having, you know, senior leadership with Joe, Jesse, they've been through that stuff. So they kind of helped us out with that. Um, but, you know, coming in, having that pressure with the media, you know, being on the Syracuse men's basketball team, you know, that's what it comes with. But um, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I like that. I think pressure is just good for you. It, you know, makes you stronger. It's, it's, at the end of the day, you're going to keep on having that pressure. As long as I'm here at Syracuse and beyond, um, I was, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know that being on the Lakers and everything, I think, um, <laughs> I mean, it keeps on building. So I think, um, you know, I think if you have that early age as a freshman like me going forward, I think it'll just, you know, it'll help me down the line. So. It's, it's the blessing and the curse, right? Because, like, even, like, on campus, right? Like, the students, everyone knows who the students are, like, who the players are on the team. Everyone knows, like, if you're going out to a bar at a certain time, all right, mm-hmm. 20 Snapchats being taken to you, this guy's here. Like, it's 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 a blessing and a curse because, obviously, like, it's it's fun, but at the same time, it, it comes with the territory of when you lose two, in a, two or three in a row, you're getting looked at around campus like, you guys suck. It's also there's never like there's never a pro sports team that could be the headlines the next day. Yeah, you, no. Like it's different because it's giant schools. So like most schools like that are football schools, but you guys there's I don't know ten ten guys that are really impacting it. You're not wearing helmets, so everyone knows what you look like. So <laughs> there's like no hiding from it, whether it's whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, everyone knows who we are. This one, yeah. So yeah, yeah. But um, kind of the, to that point, you touched on it earlier, but. A lot of you know fans and, and Twitter heads have been talking about how much change there's been in the last six weeks, not only coaching-wise, but um, you mentioned the roster before with, obviously, Jesse, Joe leaving. Um, Jude is kind of like in flux, like he might be back. You're not, you're not sure. The fans aren't sure. So, But then you have guys like Chance. You have J.J. coming in. So how has that been within the locker room where you're adjusting on the fly, and that's kind of just how college basketball is? But, um, yeah, how have you guys been dealing with that internally? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, it's it's college basketball now. Kind of NIL is kind of taking over college basketball just in the two years. Unreal. Um, it's yeah, it's unreal. But um, you know, kind of just got to adjust to it. I think um, all of us are kind of trying to adjust to it with the coaching staff to to us. Just college, I mean, all everyone college basketball in general. I think is just trying to adjust to it. But for us, um, you know, it's good for us just to stick together. Um, you know, we had an idea. JJ was coming, um, and then obviously Chance just announced he was gonna uh, gonna come. But um, you kind of just gotta adjust to it. Um, think about what um, the best situation is for you. Um, but in the day, I think uh, with guys that we're adding, and obviously it hurts to lose guys like Jesse and, and Joe and them. But you know they're doing what's best for them, and um, so I think. But we have you know guys coming in that um, you know are gonna mesh well together and um, kind of build that chemistry. I think. You know, when the summer does come, um, obviously we only have like six, seven guys who are practicing that are actually going to play right now. Um, so when guys do come in the summer, I think it'll be good for us to um, kind of mesh, get to know each other a little bit better. Um, but like I said, it's, it's college basketball now. You got to be able to adjust to things and mm-hmm. um, on the fly. So um, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird time because Joe and Jesse are Syracuse graduates, right? They did, they both did four years at Syracuse side, pretty much maxed out his eligibility at Syracuse, right? Like if it was a regular NCA, But now these guys are leaving. They won't be remembered. I mean, they'll still be remembered as Syracuse Orange, but it's so funny. Like at the end of the day, right, like they're going to go to their last school and we're not going to – they might not be able to come back like like a guy like me or Buddy in the future, which is – it's just it's a crazy like 
crazy times, man. Crazy times. But like when I see like Joe posting in LSU and Clemson jersey, oh, that's the weirdest like, thing ever. He's been in Syracuse jersey <laughs> for four years. You see him in Denver jersey, it's it's crazy. But um, yeah. this way it is. It's it's college basketball now. So yeah. Well, I want I want to rewind a little bit. Let, let's talk about your recruiting process a little bit because I, I was involved in that recruiting process. I was I was a big Justin Taylor guy trying to get Justin on campus. Um, but yeah, talk about your recruiting process. Obviously, at the end of the day, you were down in North Carolina and Syracuse, and what ultimately made you choose to go to Syracuse? Yeah, I mean, I think it, for me, it really boiled down to the people I was going to be around. Um, obviously, both great schools, you know, UNC here. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, I think it was the players that recruited me. You, I was talking to obviously Buddy a lot, um, Cy, and even the guys that I came in with. Obviously, I'm close with a lot of guys, you know, Malik. Judah, Q, um, those guys. So um, that helped me out a lot, just feeling comfortable with the guys that I'm going to be around. Um, obviously, GMAC played a huge part in it. Um, yeah. Obviously, one of the main reasons I came here. Um, I like, I mean, I'm sure you know there's no one like him. Um, but, you know, having the opportunity to play for, um, you know, Coach Beheim for my, at least for one year, that was huge. Um, the whole coaching staff, it was like, I mean, my visit was incredible. But, you know, from the coaching staff to the players to, you know, even some of the managers, I think just the whole, you know, community was huge for me. Um, I didn't really feel that. <laughs> I didn't really feel it anywhere else, to be honest. Um, just that, you know, that brotherhood. And um, at the end of the day, I think I've now realized that I've gone through the recruiting process, all the like the glamorous things that they show you, this and that. It's it's great, but at the end of the day, it's about the people you're going to be around. So, yeah. um, and that's one of the reasons I chose here and one of the reasons I want to stay. So um, that was huge for me, really. Man, there's there's nothing like it. Like I, I can tell you from other experiences. Like obviously, I had a great time at Villanova, but there's nothing like the the culture, the the brotherhood, the from the managers to the coaches, everything at Syracuse. There's nothing like it, man. And, but let's let's talk about getting recruited by GMAC because obviously, Pat, Patty got Patty got a little bit of it. A little bit. Oh of yeah. It. No, he was out <laughs> on my trails. Yeah, I decided to go to U Sciences first, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, high school he was he was all over it. But 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 the grad year, the grad year, he, he locked you down yeah, quick, Pat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But um, talk about getting recruited by GMAC and, and and how special that is because for me, a guy who didn't choose it the first time, I, I told you specifically, I was like, bro, do not mess mess around with this thing, right? <laughs> um, what what was that like, and how and how? instrumental how big was he in, in landing a guy like Justin Taylor yeah I mean honestly now that I've known him for about you know three years now including the recruiting process for two years and then this one year it's kind of it's hard to put into words what you know he, he means to me and how much he's helped me already but yeah um, he's a guy that he's been a huge you know mentor for me um, recruiting process was you know there's nothing like it with him um, it was kind of off the bat, we just had a you know relationship right away. We could talk about kind of anything together. He recruited me for really like two years before I even got probably even stepped foot on campus. So, um, but you know, I think he's been huge for me. I was actually listened to uh, the podcast when he came on here. Um, Let's yeah, of course I was supporting. But now, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mentioned something like he has that ability to balance you know being on you, coaching you hard, but also you know make a joke and be have that guy that you can you know talk to right. outside of basketball it's unbelievable yeah no uh, it really is like there's no like i haven't really met a coach or anyone like that like where you can have that balance of you know him coaching you hard being on you being a mentor but also just like you can talk to him about anything so that's huge for me um just you know basketball wise and off the court stuff so 
Um, he yeah, obviously he's one of the main reasons I came here. That main reason I want to stay here. So um, he's been huge. Yeah. I remember uh, coming on campus for the first time, and, and or maybe like a couple of weeks before. And uh, I, I went up to Joe. I was like, hey, like before I get on campus, like what is GMAC really like? You know what I mean? Because he, he recruited me. Like I've been recruited before. I, I've like I've I've seen it, bro. Like what what is he really like? He's like, no, like that's him. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm like, no, come on, like, who, who, who on the staff is is, is like, you know what I mean? Because, because I, I, I've been through it, bro. And he's like, no, no, no like th- these guys are like legit who they are, like, and that's one thing I've tried to tell all the recruits coming in, like especially like you guys, like the six of you guys that came in, the transfers, everyone, like, like yo, like the guys you see on this recruiting visit are the people you're gonna get on you know, every single day basis. Like, there's no one who's gonna like change. The only thing that changes is when. Is when Bayheim steps into the forty minutes of, of your first college game, that that that's that's when things change a little bit. But, but until then, everyone is the exact same, and I think that's just so crucial. Like, just talk about that, right? Because, like, from from even from Griff, Red, Corsa, Corsanati, Corsanini, uh, Swirls. I mean, you didn't get to experience Brad Pike, but every single person on the staff, Kabilis, right? Like. Talk about just how, how genuine and real it is at Syracuse and, and being around those guys and, and the guys who recruit you or the guys who are, they're going to be when you get when you step on campus. hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, I've talked to guys who went, you know, chose to go to other schools and stuff, but, and they, you know, everything, like you said, like with them, like it's really who they are. Like the recruiting process is the same as how they are, you know, when you actually get there. There's no smoke and mirrors. It's actually, you know, just genuine. It's who they are. So, like you said, from top to bottom, obviously Coach Beheim, you know, he he's gonna get on you. That's that is what it is. Flips a switch. Flips a switch. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when the the summer compared to you know when the season actually started, <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah. that that flip was switched. Um, but nah, I think like you said, I mean from from GMAC to Red to Griff, Corsiniti, <laughs> all of them like they're they're all guys who you feel comfortable talking to, which is huge. Um, I don't think I could really get that anywhere else to be honest. If I were to, to go to a different school. Um, so that's huge for me, just having that comfort level where obviously you know, they're going to coach you hard because they want the best out of you. But at the same time, you can, you know, you can kick it with them. You can, you know, go play golf. You can, you know, have breakfast with them. You can do whatever you want um, with them. So I think um, they're all kind of like mentors for you. But obviously, that just when you go down the line, Kabilis, um, our new trainer, Mike, all those guys are. <laughs> Mike's a great dude. Uh, Mike's, Mike's a great, a great dude. dude. Nah, great um, dude. But it's like you said, like you touched on earlier, it's all a brotherhood. They all get along. Um, you know, there's no cliques. There's no whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all brotherhood, and you feel comfortable, you know, around it, which is huge for me. So, Patty, before your next question, have have you started playing golf, Justin, or what? Nah. Funny thing is, I'm actually going tomorrow morning uh, to get fitted for some golf clubs with GMAC. He set it up, so I'm about to go over to Drumlins then. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Wait, you've never golfed before? I have like a little bit, but like I don't have like a. You never really gotten into it. I've really gotten into it, but like last summer I should have gotten into it. Cause I was so bored without like. Yeah, oh. I was gonna say there's there's not much else to do there. <laughs> so this summer I'm definitely gonna be on there. Just I'm telling you, there's there's nothing better than waking up, working out with G Mac, go going back, taking a nap, doing your class classwork, whatever, going back, playing pickup, and then going right to the golf course. Playing, playing from like three thirty to seven thirty, eating dinner and then going to sleep and then doing all. There's, there's not, there's not a better day, and that's, that's the best day you're gonna get in Syracuse too. <laughs> well, who are the golfers left? I guess Bury, because Joe, Joe used to play like every day, but 
Yeah. Pete said he wanted to get into it, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete has a little kid though, so he's not. He's yeah. not gonna be golfing too much. Red also golfs too. Red has a hole in one. Red. I'm- I heard Joe. Joe's <laughs> Griff, I think is all right. I don't know. I haven't played with him. Red's G-Max decent, is really but the, good too. But the only thing, I'm, oh, G Max a freaking scratch golfer. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but. Think about Red. Red. Red's actually pretty decent. He just takes forever on every single shot. It takes 12 practice swings. It's like, can you just hit the ball, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we mentioned, like, GMAC recruiting you, the guys recruiting you. Um, one thing that you've you've dealt with a lot in the last two years from the outside looking in is comparisons to Buddy, looks-wise. In, a, in a, uh, a tweet from Elijah Hughes comes to mind where it was, like, the Spider-Man meme. It went viral. I don't necessarily see it all that much. I get the comparison, but um, yeah. First, my first question is: Do you get that all year? And then my second, more serious question is: Is like play styles like that? You look at Buddy, you look at Joe, you look at Swider, Beheim, and the program. The offense is just like if you're a shooter, you're going to get shots. So, how much did that go into your decision? Yeah. Well, the first part, um, I've told the story before, but like when I first came on my visit. I was recognized like automatically like off the plane like someone thought I was buddy because Coach Beheim <laughs> met us you know as we go down the escalator or whatever and some older lady comes up to me like saying how she loved my season how well I did wanted to take a picture with me but I was recognized from like five times like on my visit but um, I do get it it's like a fair call because like the the haircut and like yeah yeah I don't see it I don't see it that's that, that's 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 lazy fans right there. That's lazy fans. <laughs> Once I actually got on the team, I feel like people more so know who I was, like knew who I was, so I didn't get it as much like once I actually got on campus. But yeah. Honestly there was still talk like damn, he looks like Buddy, plays like him a little bit, whatever. But um to the second part, I mean obviously um him and Yuko like like a huge part of why I came here, just watching you guys the year before. Um obviously modeling that game after you guys. Like you said, Syracuse is kind of known for having shooters um, each and every year. Um, so I think, you know, watching you guys, watching watching Buddy, watching Cole, watching obviously Joe before I came here, um, obviously GMAC highlights, you know, older, but um, just watching those guys coming through the program, you know, that was a huge reason that why I came here, just because I knew that I could have the opportunity. You know, even as a freshman, I had some opportunities to you know, show what I could do, but um, as I get older, I think I'll have you know more opportunities to you know keep on proving myself. But like you said, Pat, I think um, watching those guys like Buddy and Buddy and them, I think that was huge for me. Um, modeling the game after a little bit and you know playing that style. So for sure, man. I I can remember uh, a day. It was, I think it was the night before elite camp. Me, me and you got into the gym. We started shooting together, and that and that, that was fun, man. I, I think I think the constant uh, people get so caught up in freshman years when you look at like. When you look at an average freshman or you look at like a, a person who ends up being like a big time player, there's not a lot of people besides the one and done, the, the top 10, 15 guys in, in each class that have the freshman years that they want or expect, right? I was one of those guys. It took me three years to kind of figure it out. Then I transferred to a program that I finally valued what I did. What was your expectations going into this year compared to what it actually was? And then for you, like, you obviously had those flashes of. Of brilliance, those big games, Bryant. You had a good game in Virginia. You had you had these good games throughout the year. Where it's like, all right, like he fits in the program, but he hasn't gotten his opportunity, fair shake, whatever, whatever it is. What 
what, what is that mindset like and, and how does that help you going into year two and when you've had guys like you've seen go off like Buddy's freshman year, he averaged probably the same amount of points as you did and then he ends up having the career he did. Like, Talk, talk about that mindset and, and, and what goes into the next year in your development. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you probably felt the same way. Going into your freshman year, kind of on cloud nine, you're just excited to get to campus. Yeah. You're feeling good about yourself. You're kind of at an all-time high as far as confidence and everything. Um, and then when the season does hit, you're kind of, you know, it's obviously up and down. My freshman year was up and down just – like you said, I had moments where, um, you know, I could, I really could show what I did, like Bryant early on, and games like you know Virginia Tech, whatever it was. Um, but then had games where, you know, I didn't play a single minute, or I played, you know, one two minutes. Where, um, you know, it's games like that that are tough, just because you want to come in and you know prove yourself each and every game. Um, and as a freshman, that's kind of tough to deal with. But my goal was always just to kind of stay level-headed um, through it all. I think GMAC helped me with a lot with that. Um, Cause I mean, at the end of the day, I think the games, especially where I didn't play, the you know the stretches where I didn't play at all, I was still able to come in and work out with GMAC every day, and yeah. that was for me. Um, I think. Um, so I think you know just going, like you said, I think as a freshman you're going to have them up and downs, but looking at guys like Buddy, like you, like different guys who have come through the program, you know, obviously college basketball in general, just freshmen, like you said, they don't. Not everyone gets that, you know, that experience except for, you know, if you're the one and done, whatever it is. So um, just trusting the process, looking at guys um, that have come before me um, and just realizing that it is a process. You know, you're not going to get everything you want your freshman year. Yeah. Um, and that is what it is. So um, just kind of staying level headed, trusting the process, continuing to work hard and just kind of, um, you know, try and prove myself even more next year and um, have a bigger opportunity. So um, but just, you know. Um, staying, staying in the gym with GMAC, working mm-hmm. the process and everything. So, yeah, man. One one thing I will say is like those, the thief of joyous comparison, right? Like I, I remember looking at my freshman year and being like, oh, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. I was ranked higher than this guy. I averaged thirty in high school, and now I'm not even playing and all this stuff. And like, everyone runs their own race. And at the end of the day, like the guys, I've never really seen a guy, me and Patty have talked about this a lot. Like I've never really seen a guy who's worked really hard, who's done everything he could from working out with Cabillas two times a day to eating the right things to do all these things, not get what he deserves, man. So you're on the right path, man. Keep going. You're in the right, you're in the right spot. Um, and yeah, Patty, go ahead. I, 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 nah, I it always, it always finds its level. Yeah. College basketball is so hard too. Like there's so many other factors you don't think about. Like, I don't know, classes, you're away from home, like, you're doing your own fucking laundry, that bullshit, like, <laughs> there's stuff about it that's that's hard that, that people don't, it's hard to be a good college basketball player, but, um, um, you're the first of, of the six freshmen from this year that we've had on, we've talked about it a lot on the show, um, I think the fan base knew, like, you guys kind of came in and you're replacing these shoes of, of last year, a really older team, um, Buddy and Cole, obviously, and then Joe. Like these are established guys that you guys are coming in, and and you're sort of competing for these, um, you know, spots that that everyone has to fill. So, first of all, how is it coming in like with that group, having sort of like a built-in like friend group? Like I just said, it's hard coming to college basketball, and like you have these guys that you're going through these experiences with. But then the other side of college basketball is like at the end of the day, you are kind of sort of competing for the same spots. So you have to strike that balance of, of still competing, but then, you know, you're obviously very close. You're, you're friends off the court. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I really don't think um, 
I would have been able to get through this season the way I did if it weren't for, you know, the guys that I came in with. Um, I mean, I knew most of them. I, obviously, I knew Malik since I was like 12 because obviously we're from the same area. Um, played high school with, you know, Q and Judah. Um, and, you know, I guess I knew, you know, Peter and Chris a little bit coming in. But um, just having that built-in chemistry, like you said, was huge for me because um, we already getting along, you know, off the court. And then that kind of translated on the court. Um, obviously, you know, but it is college basketball. The competition comes with it. Um, and it kind of goes back to the, the media of Syracuse basketball. I mean, as soon as we stepped on campus, it was almost like, you know, me and Chris just automatically had this. Mm -hmm this beef or whatever you want to call it, just because yeah. we're not going to be for the same spot. But no one actually knew, like, we're actually, you know, we're close. Obviously, we're going to compete on the court, but, like, we're still – it's no, it's no like, beef between us and stuff. Yeah, like, that's always how it goes. Yeah. Like, as soon as I stepped – like, we stepped on campus, it was just, like, that way. But at the end of the day, like, no one kind of goes back. Like, no one really knows what's going on in the program except for us. You know, people can say what they want. Um, but I think it was huge for us as young guys especially to just to kind of stick together and, um, you know, Obviously, guys got more time than others as freshmen, and that's just how it works. But yeah. no matter what the time was, you know, the 20 minutes, I think um, we all still stuck together. And, um, you know, obviously, there's going to be ups and downs. But um, having that chemistry coming in from high school and knowing each other, I think that was huge for us just because we were able to talk about it, kind of communicate. And Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, and, you know, it is what it is, but um, that was huge for us, just being able to talk to each other about it and you know, kind of be there for, for each other. So, nah, man, my, my best friend at Villanova was Sadiq Bey, and he was the guy who basically took my spot when, when he came in. Like, <laughs> just, I, 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 told, I totally get it, bro. And, like, in terms of Syracuse basketball, man, like, there's, like we said, there's nothing like it in terms of, of the media coverage. But, when talking about like in the between the four walls of the, of the mellow center like talk about the work that goes in like i i know it was a little different this past summer but like my my summer there it was like getting in the gym with gmac every single morning a lot of player development and at, at most at some programs there's zero player development were you able to kind of experience that like the player development of each and every day hour before practice like even like patty got in those workouts an hour before practice like, like i you, you, you feel it, like what was what was the tone of that voice? I don't know what that's about. Well, Patty, you're the most self-proclaimed walk-on <laughs> in, in all of podcasting. So, <laughs> self-proclaimed, yeah, I am a walk-on. That's self-proclaimed. It's not self-proclaimed. I know, but you're like, oh, like, walk, since I'm a walk-on, you guys are scholarship guys. Yeah, How yeah it, that's true. That that is true. 
<laughs> I mean, oh, here I have my go. merch here still we floating go. around Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that but, in. Yeah, but just back to my question. Just talk about the skill development that happens each and every day. Because like, I think that's one of the special parts of Syracuse basketball. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like you said, I think <laughs> working out with GMAT the hour before each day was honestly like one of the best parts of my day. Especially oh, the best. I touched on, I touched on <laughs> earlier, especially like the times where I wasn't playing as much. I was still could rely on coming at three o'clock and him being there waiting for me and getting that work in for that you know hour forty five minutes whatever it was before practice. Um, and I'm like especially on Christmas break. Obviously, we were here. We don't go home. Uh, you know, we had no classes though, so. There's more time throughout the day. So, like, I was able to get, you know, two workouts of him and practice. So, um, we really went at it, especially, you know, during that time. But, um, I mean, that was really, you know, the best part of my day is being able to get in the gym with him. Um, like you said, not many schools do it either. Um, a lot of schools that I visited, um, they don't really make an emphasis on that. And that's what kind of struck me um, in the recruiting process for here. It was just, you know, GMAC, you know, promised me that. Obviously, he's done in the past for however many years he's been here with his players, you know, with his group. Um, and it kind of feels special to be a part of that group, just um, kind of looking back and seeing all the guys that he's worked with, um, the development Utah. they've made. Um, obviously, you know, looking at Buddy from his freshman year to his senior year, even in the one year you were here, obviously you made a ton of, you know, improvements. So I think yeah. um, just seeing the guys that he's worked with, being a part of that group was huge for me. And um, just even in the one yeah, I've been able to work with him. I think I've already, you know, seen improvements myself. Um, and that's been huge for me because there really is no one like him. So um, being able to learn from him each and every day, you know, his resume, the guys he's worked with, like I said, is, is you know, special for me. Yeah, dude, the, also the winter break, like Christmas break, is the best time of the year to be a college basketball player by far. 100%. No yes. class, one-hour practice a day, you, you like, rest the day yourself. But, um, Justin, thanks so much, brother. This was great, a lot of fun. You got to come back on whatever we ask now. Um, <laughs> they are a friend of the Swider Show, but really looking forward to, to seeing your progression next year. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll see you next time. Me and Swider in the queues. We could we could get on the golf course. Well, yeah, we also gotta say we gotta get the links together. <laughs> have to, man. Have to, man. Yeah, Justin, thank you so much for coming on, man. Super, super, super excited to watch you play this year. We're gonna be battling all all summer in Mellow when I come back, and we'll get some of those late night shoot, shooting sessions again, man. But yeah, man, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis. Swider Show is created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.